Hey, thanks for joining us here at Life West Church. If you ever have any questions or you want to learn more about us as a church, you can always check us out online simply by going to lifewest.church. Today's podcast is from a Q&A session with a couple who mentors our lead pastors. It was recorded in a small group setting. As such, the audio quality is lower than normal, but the content is gold, and I'm sure you will enjoy it. Well, we were going to start with something that was not spiritual that we thought was very funny. <laughs> okay, here was five rules for men to follow for a happy but, uh, life. It was this on a was, Cowboys tombstone. This is a truly on a tombstone, and it won the award for the best tombstone. Okay. okay, so five rules for men to follow for a happy life. One, it is important to have a woman who helps at home, cooks from time to time, cleans up, and has a job. It is important to have a woman who can make you laugh. It's important to have a woman whom you can trust and doesn't lie to you. It's important to have a woman who's good in bed and likes to be with you. And the fifth thing, it's very, very important that these four women do not know each other. (laughs) Otherwise, you'll end up dead like me. (laughs) I was thinking, oh, this is such a nice list. by surprise. Okay. Okay. Then I was uh, just thought we'd share a little bit. I was thinking of the kind of just lessons we learn over 42 years, however many years it's been. At 40, you kind of start forgetting. <laughs> it's been a long time. We just have lived together, um, been married, and and I thought one of one of the biggest lessons. I don't know, they're all big, um, that I think I learned was to love on purpose. And I know that sounds like, oh, duh, or, you know, like, but that it, I guess we come into marriage thinking it's all going to just flow, and I'm going to just feel like loving him or, or not, or it's just going to, like, happen. or so. I don't know what I thought, but it dawned on me finally that, you know, this is choices. Love is making choices that are based on eternity and not now. And so, you know, to not, to, to think about um, love is deciding for what's best for the other person and, and not demanding that it be 50-50 because if you want to have a great marriage, forget about that 50-50 thing. It's never going to be equal. It's never going to... Um, work out exactly, you know, give and take isn't going to be real balanced. And if you're going to demand balance and, you know, you really, um, you're all married, right? Here, mostly married, so it's too late. (laughs) 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 Mostly. Anyway, um, but so, you know, it was like, don't be afraid of giving too much. When, when, as, a, as Christians, the more I love him and serve him and the more I give to him, even in the early years where we weren't communicating really well and so um, there were things that were out of balance and we, we didn't understand and I wasn't clarifying. And so, um, but Jesus knows. He understands and... Whatever you do, it says in Colossians 3, do it as unto the Lord. So if I give more than my fair share, 
I'm giving to Jesus. Is that like, oh dear, I've given too much to you, Jesus. Um, you know, I better. No, I. You, you don't. He's so. You always get rewarded, even if your spouse doesn't notice. Man, I am pouring out more than she is or he is. I'm giving more. It's it's his turn to give, or it's her turn to give, and um, you know. So that is just a really big one to me of just not being afraid of giving too much. Um, actually, I wrote. I and I carry. I write it in all of my Bibles, as I go through Bibles so that I have a reminder, but, um, so we got married in 1975, and I didn't know enough then to make this my vows, so later when I knew what I should vow, <laughs> I rewrote it, and I put it in my Bible, it was more for me than, than anybody else, and I just wrote, I choose to marry Dwayne, to lay down my life and serve him, I prefer Dwayne is more important than myself. I choose to honor, respect, and love him, to build him up and help him to better fulfill God's calling and purpose for his life. I will speak words that impart grace to him and boldly and faithfully pray for God's will to be done in him, in his life, and in our family. And all this with God's help, I give myself to do that God will be glorified in our union. And, and I'll just, not nice words, but words that I have to keep reminding myself of, okay, yeah, this, this is, our union, our marriage is that God be glorified. And he's not glorified by selfishness. He's not glorified by unforgiveness. I mean, sometimes we all want this, oh, we'd love to have a happy, glorious, the best marriage and, and a wonderful life and obedient kids and all, everything just perfect. <laughs> and and um, God gave us a word and an instruction book and, and so much wisdom of, okay, this is how we get there. But we don't want to have time for that. We just want it to happen. And so really, um, a great marriage is going to take choosing on purpose to how, what's your way of doing this, Jesus? What's your way? What does the word say? How does it say to handle it? And um, you know, I've found that reading through Proverbs gives me so much, um, so much of the wisdom that that I need to to handle him, <laughs> to live with him, to 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 solve to solve problems that we have. I mean, it's just. It's, it's just absolutely, look, the north wind brings forth rain and a backbiting tongue and angry countenance. Well, you know, if I'm wanting him to look at me with love and tenderness and, and, and not with an angry countenance, well, then I definitely need to watch my tongue and not think a, a sharp, backbiting, haughty answer is going to make him shape up because it doesn't work that way. So the word is wonderful in creating, and most of you all know this, but in creating um, the direction and guidelines. And um, yeah, so that's part of, I don't know if you wanted to share some of your so you, little list. My little list. Well, just what she was saying about, about uh, not backbiting, not attacking. It's in Proverbs 18. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. They that eat it will, well, they that love it will eat its fruit. And then the next verse says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing, obtains favor from the Lord. So 
When it's talking about the power of the tongue, the context is marriage. And it's saying it can kill your marriage or it can make your marriage great. It can give it life or it can give it death. And uh, one of the things that we've always tried to do is just really be very, very careful with our words. And it's not like we haven't had words to say. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Be funny, because a journal is never to be a record of your spouse's wrongs or anything, but... But it but, can be but, a record. But, <laughs> but it's my journey. I really, you know, there's sometimes when I was just so frustrated that he didn't understand me, and he, and I think I'm right, and I think he's wrong, and I can't get him to know he should think like I think, you know, and 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 so it becomes my prayer of, okay, God, I think I'm right, and he said this, and that wasn't nice, was it? And and. And then it was like God would show me his perspective. And I never, ever, I don't have one journal entry. You could read through all my journals. And and you would find that every entry closed with the victory. It was God's word, God's correction. It wasn't that I was right? No. (laughs) Sometimes. But it was that his way was right. He would always, it'd be, if you're crying out, if you ask God for help, he always shows you the way out. And like that one time, I could tell you a story. I don't know. Do you want a story? Yeah. I don't know if you have time for a story. But It's a short story. Kind of short. How bad do I show up on your story? This is... This was um, back uh, quite a few many years when when um, I was a little more moody than I am now. I'm at least at that stable stage of life where I should stay more stable. But you know, and the other times when when I had times of the month where I felt more strongly about well, things. And, and by the way, we love menopause. <laughs> menopause is of God. Well, it is. Look, really, really. Because look, look. Number one. Number one. For years, I would tell her, I'm hot, I'm hot. She never believed it. <laughs> All of a sudden, man, she's like, I'm so hot, I'm so hot. For years. And secondly, you know, the, the ups and downs just kind of went, that's awesome. That's awesome. I was always. Yeah. <laughs> and then thirdly, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Mama gets hot. <laughs> well, now you know. The kids so are anyway, not. I just love it. I thought about writing a book. Three reasons I love menopause. <laughs> so, but anyway, I was having one of those little more tender. Uh, my emotions and feelings were a little more tender. And, um, and... We're out running, and it's been a snowstorm the night before, and they had only cleared one side of the road, barely, and it was like, you know, deep, and so we were running where there was not too deep. And um, Dwayne had told me, many times we're out running, and I love hills. I love charging up hills. And he likes to slow down on the hills. And so if you're running together, you know, I should stay with him and it's just really hard and I try and I, and, and to him it always felt like, oh, she's just leaving, you know. So he would tell me, if, when we go up a hill, stay with me. 
And I would make the excuse, well, I thought you'd want to see my backside. <laughs> I tried to make jokes out of it, but at the same time, I knew he meant, you know, stay at his side. So we're out running, and, and a car um, is coming behind us, and, or was coming at us. That was it. So I had to get over in front of him. We had to go single file. So I pulled over in front of him, and, and I'm running like this, trying to calculate how fast he's going so I didn't run away from him. So I just could get back out like this, you know, smooth move. And I'm, I'm running like this, and obviously I, I was going a little too fast. And, um, and he did that. I'm so, why don't you ever listen? He's like, if you don't want to run with me, just, I don't remember what he said, go back home or run yourself somewhere or whatever. But it wasn't real loving, kind words. But, and it just, because I was so tender, it just struck me. And just kind of like, and I'm like so, like feeling rejected, way overreacting, way overreacting. But I'm just, so I got this all inside. Notice we're running, and we're running up this hill, and all of a sudden, he grabs my hand, and I'm feeling rejected. He he goes like this, and I've got the forward momentum. We're running. He grabs my arm, and he throws me in the snowdrift. And, and I mean, my thoughts are, oh, he hates me, he's throwing me away! <laughs> he was saving my life because there was a truck coming up the hill behind us, and, and I was pulling out, getting ready to turn left, and, you know, so he grabbed me and saved the day. But I was so wrapped up in my emotions that all I could think of was, you know, he hates me, he doesn't want me with me, and he goes, I don't know, you know, it just was going like, like, you know, how it can go, and, and, and uh, I, I turned around, and I, I ran back home, and let him finish his 100 miles, whatever he was running, and, and I went in the house, and I was so, I started, I started taking off in the path of, he shouldn't have said that, that wasn't nice, and of course, he's a preacher, and he really should be nice. And, and you know, and I'm just getting huffy and puffy, and and gonna blow the house down, you know. And I'm thinking how, you know, God, you better speak to him while he's out there and correct him because he needs corrected, and he should come home and apologize to me because that wasn't nice. And I'm just, and then I just thought, you know what? What if he doesn't come home and apologize? Are you gonna like take this ugly feelings and, and all of that stuff and just let that let that just keep on wounding and hurting you and then you're gonna hurt him and then he's gonna hurt you? Are you gonna just what are you gonna do? Where is this gonna lead? And I really believe that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do with us. He wants to get our attention and say, Okay, hey, where's this choice gonna take you? And and um, so when I say love on purpose, it means not just when it feels good, but in these times when I felt hurt, but he felt hurt out there. He felt like, can't this woman run with me? If she wants to run with me, does she have to try to leave me in the, you know? And so it was like, God was like, okay, try to see from his perspective and you need to, you know, just forgive him. If he apologizes, that's great. If he doesn't, he's forgiven and don't hold anything against him. 
You know, when Jesus forgives you, he washed you, washes you clean, white as snow, and, and doesn't keep track of it. And so it's that, okay, God, I'm going to wash him clean right now before I even apologize. Of course, by the time he got back running, he comes in the door and he says, I shouldn't have talked that way. I'm so sorry. And he apologized. <sighs> so then we could make up and it was wonderful. But, but um, you can't have those wonderful moments of enjoying the love and the forgiveness if you don't give it, risking that you might not get it back. And, um, it, you know, that's just a big thing. And the, I don't think you can ever say, well, I forgave too quickly. Yeah. Um, the quicker, the better. And I think that's the biggest, one of the biggest lessons we've learned, man, over the years is that um, forgiving quickly is, is just the way to go. Maybe you say, well, I can't forgive until we've resolved this. No, you're not going to resolve it until you forgive because you can't see clearly. You're not going to think right. You're going to be trying to justify or um, criticize or, uh, you know. So to deal with differences, and this counts with other people, not just in marriage too, but um, to, to, to find the resolutions for conflict and things, differences and trouble, it's always best to forgive and, and look to God for instructions and direction of how to, how to see from each other's perspective. And, and yeah, we could tell you all kinds of stories because we've had lots of lessons, but um, well, we ought to do it. We're supposed to do it. We're supposed to do a Q&A. Okay, I'm okay. done. No more stories. That's a big story. <laughs> okay. Does anybody have any questions? Get real easy. <laughs> Did you ever have family that wasn't religious that were involved in your kids' lives? Like, how did you deal? Like, we we don't have a lot of family that are. We're changing our family tree by having a This is, I mean, virtually another tree. You know, I mean, we're grafting into a totally different yeah. tree. So um, it, it's hard to. Um, to you know, especially with today, it was everything so fast. I mean, influences are, are everywhere, and it's, and it's so hard to navigate that when, you know, um, a mother or a mother-in-law, you know, they don't think that that's a problem, and when they, they'll speak to them like, well, this really isn't that big, you know. We, we, of course, don't know, we don't hear all of it, and we doubt that they're, you know, your parents maybe don't say it's okay, but it's okay. We don't think that's going on, but... That hard. assumption is there, you know, yeah. when they allow it, and it's okay, and that's what's on TV over there. And hands and uncle like it's... And, you know, how do you navigate yeah. that for a nine-year-old? Yeah, did you ever have to go through that? Like, I... We did not, did we? Not a whole lot. In the, in the village, the ladies would... I, Joshua was not supposed to, whatever he'd done, so he couldn't have a lollipop or whatever they had, and... And so, I mean, they try to sneak behind and get him to disobey mommy by, like, it doesn't matter. You know, I mean, things like that, little, little, um, I mean, that's trivial compared to what you deal with. But the, um, we pray, the, the thing that's going to keep your kids and, and your family safe is, is, is God, the word in their heart. 
And the more that you give them a taste of God's goodness and his grace, his forgiveness, his mercy, his direction, I, I would pray daily that God would give them hearts to, that would hunger for him to know and love and serve and please him every day of their life, you know that hunger. And the more that they see you tasting and seeing how good God is and that God's ways are good and his word is exciting, and it's like they see um, that, the more that they want to taste that and they treasure it. And they, they will, it says the children of the righteous in Isaiah are taught by the Lord that your children are not just going to be always under your protective hand of choose this, choose this, do this, do this, but that God himself will be in their hearts to, to speak to them and show them, you know, this is why this is the right way. And he's going to, you pray and stay on top of Give them discernment so that they can see the fruit of God in your life and the fruit of in the lives of those that don't have God. And they can see and, wow, I know the difference. Now, what you're doing, when you teach them, you teach the values at home and you live those values, your kids will, well, it says this way in Isaiah, it says a child will lead them. What they may not receive from you, you'll be surprised they'll receive from their grandkids. Because if those kids have got that inside and they're living it, and they value it. It's fun to see that sometimes, too, because you can see, uh, you know, mother, grandma maybe make a different decision, like, or, or even bring it up in conversation, like, well, I didn't really see things like that. Maybe we should give this a try. Be, be more open to it. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, we haven't had that, but I'm sure if I was to bring that up, it'd probably be a lot less of a conversation. So, yeah. You know. I remember Stephanie uh, going over to the neighbor lady's house who was ungodly. And, um, and she, the, the lady um, called and, and she was like, I am so sorry and I need you to pray for me. And I'm like, oh, Stephanie went over there and, and um, I think saw her light up a cigarette. <laughs> And, and Stephanie just panicked and started crying. I, she had to have been like four, maybe. Five. And she's like, oh, well, I, what are you doing? And she says, I don't want you to go to hell. I don't want you to go to hell. And I don't want you to die soon because and she, just, she just broke down and was this really drama queen in front of, that she loved her and didn't want, and, and the lady was like, oh my goodness, somebody cares about me. And she was so like, yeah, and so we prayed with her and she got saved, but it really was a little child that led her to the Lord because, you know, she'd been going over and, and uh, hanging, hanging, just, you know, visiting from time to time with her and then, and then just it dawned on her the, that... Uh, she needed Jesus, and I don't know if the cigarette did it, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kids, kids are awesome. They, they, um, they can say things that, you know, you wouldn't. When yeah. Joshua got saved, he was just nine days before he turned four, gave his life to the, his heart to the Lord, and the next day, I went over to a friend, a neighbor lady's house that I've been 
praying for her to get saved, and she had a little girl, and Josh and the girl were playing with the toys, and I was visiting with her, and it came time to leave, and um, I asked Josh to pick up the toys, and it was time to go, and he went in there, and he's just putting the toys back on the shelf, and, um, and the mother looked at him and said, oh, I wish my daughter would do that. Joshua turned away from the toy shelf, and he came up and looked up at her and said, it's because I've been born again. <laughs> and I have Jesus inside my heart. And she turned around, she says, I need what he has. And I got to pray with her and lead her to the, she prayed and accepted the Lord. It was just a real transformation. It was real exciting, and it was just <laughs> the little kids. And God works real, he does real things in their hearts and their lives, and it's, it's beautiful. What, kind of, yeah, what kind of things did you guys do when they were really young to just instill that, you know, the word and that? I mean, the tangible things. Tangible that we can things, really, like you know, we have how to plant the word in there. Oh, you know, so don't just, play in the water. Okay? We, tangible things you guys did on a daily basis to really yeah. instill the word in them. What's the formula? <laughs> What's the formula? Uh, one thing is, we love the word. Yeah. We we don't and I'm all for the audio Bible, but I I fell in love with the Word of God by sneaking in my grandma's closet and seeing the Bibles she had marked up and worn out, and I was so impressed that reading a Bible she could wear a Bible out, and you know what is in that that is so important, and and Grandma was fun, and my mom and dad were you know and so I saw that they were, you know, they were fun and funny and happy people and, and they loved the Word of God. And so what was in it that was, it was like a treasure chest and, you know, kids want what they can't, not supposed to get into. And so, you know, once they discover, so I think that, I guess maybe Samuel could answer maybe better than we could, but, but that dad reads the Word every day and, and mom reads the word, and we read the proverb um, every day at the meal times. I love the way Dan, uh, Samuel started reading the proverbs with his kids. He'd, he'd read, um, the righteous will never be removed, but the wicked will not inhabit the earth. And he'd stop and say, the righteous will never be what? And then the kids would have to say, removed. And, um, you know, but he would keep them engaged trying to, because he'd ask a question at the end, they'd have to fill in the right word. And I thought that was really clever. I never thought that with my kids, but that was really good. Uh, as far as the, you know, it's not like a formula, but where the Bible talks as much as it does any one place about children and training your kids is in Deuteronomy chapter 6, and this is how it starts. It says, the words I command you today shall be in your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You bind them as frontless before your eyes. You put them on the doorpost of your house and on your gate. Uh, in other words, it's just saying live it, live it, live it, live it, live it, live it. Talk to them, but live it, live it, live it. 
I mean, there were things that we would use that, well, the scripture says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I mean, even in driving, and, and like, okay, you know, this is what the word says to do, and, and so we're going to forgive them, and, <laughs> or we're going to treat them. It says to do unto your enemies, you know, to bless your enemies and not curse them, those that spitefully use you. And so what are we going to do with your enemies? Um, you know, try to teach them the way of the word. I remember when Samuel wanted to call his brother terrible bad names, or his brother wanted to call him bad names, and they were just... That was probably more often. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, they say... You know how they come up with trying to think of the worst word they could think of when they're mad. And, and so I sat down and went with a... I said, okay, when you get really angry, um, when we wrote a list of words... Acceptable. Acceptable things that you could say about each other, like, you know, Steffi's really beautiful. Um, you're really smart, filled with wisdom. You're, you're, uh, you're. And, and they had the, but we wrote down the list, and so that then when they got mad, you can holler at him all you want, all of these good things. <laughs> and, you know, just giving him something, not just don't say that, don't say that, and don't do this, but here's what you can do. And, and so they could like, wow, you sweet and beautiful sister. <laughs> and, and you're so funny. And, and pretty soon they're laughing at each other because it's so ridiculous. And it, it diffused a lot of bombs. Not that it always worked as well as other times, but it was, you know, diffuses the bombs. Ask God for ideas and wisdom and dealing with each situation. And you have them, but... Uh, here was uh, one of the things that I think made a big, huge difference is um, praying for the kids. Um, Daniel, especially, I just remember wearing me out with his two and three-year-old, just so naughty. I mean, anything you said to do, it was like, no. And, and I just felt, I remember feeling like, is there a good bone in his body that wants to obey? Because I don't see it. I mean, it's just like, and it was just wearing out with no, no, spank, spank, no, spank, no, spank. And or however, maybe you do timeout, whatever, but I don't think that really works with a two-year-old, but <laughs> a three-year-old. Um, and, and I just, one day I was praying and... and um, and realized that God really was had a good plan and purpose for him, and and uh, and for Stephen too when she came along. But God had a plan, and he, and it's a good one. And God wants that little boy's heart. He wants to put in that heart a desire to know and love and serve and please God. So I began. When he's all peaceful, I began when he's a sound asleep and I could have lots of faith and he looked like a little angel. <laughs> and I'd lay my hand on him and i just thank God, Father, for giving him a heart that wants to know and love and serve and please you every day of his life. And we'd sit down to eat lunch. God, we thank you for blessing the food and I thank you that uh, Josh and Samuel, Daniel and Stephanie have such uh, good hearts that want to know you and love and serve and please you every day of their lives. And, you know, I would just insert it in the moments when there was peace. 
<laughs> and when there was a moment he he was actually playing good with, oh you're being so good praise God that's nice of you to play that way and build such a good statue you know and whatever I try to seize a moment when I could because they were hard to find a moment when he was being good so I'd seize those moments but when Stephanie was about four I think it was I came in the room and she's like little girls are, she's flipped upside down on her head with her feet hanging over the back of the lounge chair, and she's chanting, singing, I've got such a good heart, I want to know God, love God, and serve and please him every day of my life. <laughs> and, and then she's five years old, and she comes in, and he said, he read from Deuteronomy about writing scriptures down, and, um, you know, I had one, like a pleasant word, um, breaks the most bone-like resistance, you know, and, a, and I just, words that the kids could use in situations, and I put them on cards. Stephanie had memorized the one in the half bath, upstairs bathroom, the kitchen, and the refrigerator, and I had about five different verses. She just came and rattled them off. She'd learned to read, and she read them all and memorized them, and I mean, I wasn't preaching to her. I wasn't trying to teach those to her, but... Um, you know, she just, and, and that gives her tools to handle different situations because now she's got, you know, something, some wisdom about, oh, wow, and I get upset. It says a gentle answer will diffuse this. So, yeah, the Word of God is powerful, and it, it works in them, too, and it's same things that you need to walk a Christian life, they need. They need Jesus in their heart. They need uh, the Word. They need forgiveness. <laughs> Any other question? How, um, as far as teaching them uh, to internalize and make, I guess, make it their own. You know, I grew up and a lot of my friends grew up in Christian homes and they were, you know, memorize scripture, do the th these, and the parents really kept them on straight and narrow, but then as soon as they hit that age of 18 or whatever, I had a lot of friends that just completely went, you know, and so forth and so on. But, you know, how do you help them to really just make it their own, I guess? Are you grabbing, ahead, some, you grabbing some wisdom out of there? Yeah. <laughs> this is my wisdom bag. <laughs> Where's your bag? Get your, get your bag out. The flowers. Well, this is, in fact, this is Grandpa's old typewriter he sent to Mexico with us that I typed this out many years ago. And this has been copied many, many times. But, you know, I... I would pray this, and the holy, we can't make our children make the right choices, right. and, um, but God is good. The more they experience God's goodness in his, and, and seeing, the more they taste, it's, yeah, it's powerful. Um, here's, here's what I prayed. Um, I lift up my children to you, asking that you grant them according to the riches of your glory to be strengthened with power through your spirit in their inner man, so Christ may dwell in each of their hearts through faith, that each of them would be rooted and grounded in love, that they might be able to comprehend 
with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that they may be filled up to all the fullness of God. I thank you, God, as a parent for giving me the mind of Christ in training up these children in the way they should go and when they are old they will not turn from it that we won't provoke them to anger, but would bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. God, we ask that Joshua and Samuel, Daniel and Stephanie will seek you early in their lives, for you promise those that love, that you love those that love you, and those that seek you early will find you. May they have pure and right conduct, making themselves known by their righteous deed. I pray they will each love wisdom and fear the Lord and accept discipline. And, you know, I got, I just pulled these out of the scriptures, out of the word, and, Thank you that our children are taught of the Lord, their well-being's great, and you pour out your spirit on our offspring and your blessing on our descendants, and that the seed of the righteous will be delivered. And you know, and I just that that is huge to pray the word of God. That's yeah. one of the The other thing that I think is I think this is the, the absolute key. Um, there's two scriptures that I'd, I would point you towards. First one's in Judges. Chapter 2, it said, The people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen the great works the Lord had done. Then another generation arose. They didn't know the Lord and didn't know what the Lord had done. Um, every child needs to be touched by God. They, they need a touch from the Lord. It's in Proverbs 29. It says, Where there's no revelation... And I like one translation that says, where there's no revelation of what God has done. Right? They haven't been touched by God. They cast off restraint. And you can tell kids and tell somebody and tell them and tell them, but if they do not have a personal touch from God, they'll go crazy like you're talking about. They'll cast off restraint. But if they have a touch from God, that changes everything. I want to show you a picture. Um, recently, I was with Molly and Avery um, and Jasmine, our other granddaughter. They were with me for the day and playing together and, and uh, went to take them home. And um, Molly's birthday was happening in a few days, and I'd given her this little gold pocketbook with a um, little loop handle you could undo and she'd undone the handle and we were running a couple errands and taking them home but they wanted to run the errands first because they want to stay together longer you know so we went into Home Depot and I had to go all the way to the back of the store and on the way Molly's flinging her purse around and kind of hitting the other the cousins the other girls and and um dropping it and she finally uh, put it in her pocket well they're pushing the big cart back to get the tile all the way in the back and when we get there Molly looks at me with the big eyes like I lost the pocketbook I put it in my pocket so I wouldn't lose it and it fell out and and so I mean we looked everywhere and said the cashiers and so of course we're praying oh lord help us find us oh lord help us find us help us find the purse help us find this and and um, when we put our name and number down in case somebody brought it out there and we're getting, going out to the truck and I just realized, you know, how does that, this is an opportunity. And so I asked the girls, I said, okay, do you really want Jesus to help you find this? 
to help get this back, then let's, let's pray specifically, not just, oh, wish you'd help um, kind of thing. So we prayed specifically, said, God, we ask that you would, um, if somebody picked it up and like a little kids that were in the store and pocketed it or something, that you would just convict them and fill them with a desire to find the owner and return it back to Home Depot so they could get a hold of us. Or would you send an angel to pick it up and put it in a place where we can locate it and find it? And that was, I think, Thursday. The kids were off school Thursday. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, I went over to Samuel's house to pick him up with the truck, and I had the back seats where the girls were sitting before, and I, I, I picked that up um, and were loading the back of the truck. You can has a big flat area there. And I had carried several boards and boxes out to the truck and put in the truck and left the, the door open and ran in to see if, um, you know, how any, he had anything else that needs in there. And it was a few minutes. I thought, oh, I better go close that door. And I walked out the door, and I went to close the truck door. And there, laying on the little black step getting up to the car, was the gold purse. Just like, I was like, Oh, oh, and I have to tell you, because just the hour before that happened, I was with the ladies praying Monday morning. We walk and pray with the ladies, and, and um, I said, you know, would you pray and agree with me that, um, that God will help this purse come back? As a, just, I was thinking more of the girls to experience God's faithfulness and that God hears their prayers, and, and you know, I was thinking, like, God, so the girls prayed with me and, and agreed with me, and then, you know, we went to his house, and, and I have the picture of it because I thought, I want to keep this. So I took a picture of the, 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 the pocketbook there, and um, it's amazing. <laughs> so I was going to just find it here. In the, I'll show it to you, but if somebody has another thing they want to say, it's, it's amazing that... One more question, just about that. Yes. So you always talk about not being the smartest person you know, and having mentors, right? Yes. How did you find the mentors in your life? Um, how did I find them? They're not always. It's not like, hey, you. Want, I'll be your mentor. You know, so it's not you know, something where it's obvious. Yeah, it, and uh, I would say. That there's there's two there's two types there's the types that know that they're your mentor and there's the types that don't. You know? And uh, there were some there were some people who very 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 definitely had a very very powerful effect on me. Followed them closely, but they wouldn't even know who we were. And there were others that that was not the case and is not the case that you know we we can get on the phone and give them a call. Some of the people that you look as mentors were not necessarily close relationally. You just really looked up. Yep. And you got a lot of wisdom from what yep. they said. Okay. No, I have two. Still, I I do have a final question. Yes. Which one of your uh, children is your favorite? <laughs> <laughs>
Thanks for listening. Our mission here at LifeWest is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.